This is the official Covering the Corner podcast, episode 193. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and in this week's episode, we'll have some meatballs, some tidbits of information that the Guardians did over the last week, talk about Aaron Zavalli hitting the injured list with a strained wrist, what that means for the Guardians going forward, and for Aaron Zavalli, talk about the fact that Juan Soto has rejected another Nationals offer, and he'd be up for being traded, and the Nationals are considering trading him. Maybe the Guardians shouldn't do that, maybe they should, no, I'll talk about that. I'll look at the mid-season standing stats, because we are now at the All-Star game, All-Star break. Um, look at how the Guardians did in the first half, some surprises we've had, um, what we're looking forward to in the second half, maybe a bold prediction or two. And uh, I think it's always worth looking at Nolan Jones, just for, it doesn't matter why, he's here. We'll look at him again. He was again very good, and he was almost going to start against a lefty until rain ruined it. So we'll look at Nolan Jones, uh, how he's been the first couple weeks. Joining me for all that more, another Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how are you doing? Oh, I'm great. Thank you for asking. I appreciate it. That's good. Happy to have you. Are you doing your uh, your quizzes? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Finding out if you have 140 IQ by uh, 140 plus IQ. First of all, so you know, and the answer is I do. Oh, is it like WRC plus where 40 is uh, over average? I don't it know. is actually. Thank oh, you, well. Matthew, for knowing things. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so that's because I have 140 average. IQ. So there you go. Yeah, maybe 140. Maybe 40. Who's to say? <laughs> it's all the same. It's just it's a rounding error. That's all it is. Yeah. Exactly. It's numbers. Numbers are all made up by man anyway. The only thing I believe in is the stars themselves. I don't <laughs> you know, know what? what that uh, means. You know what I believe in, Mary? Yeah, the stars themselves. Ooh, meatballs. Meatballs, Mary. I believe in our meatball section of the show where we talk about uh, little things that happened about Guardians baseball, getting specific in it. Um, I have a good one this week, so I'm going to go first because I like mine. And in case you pick the same player, I don't want you to ruin it. So mine is about, uh, we talked about him last week a tiny bit, is Tristan McKenzie. Thank God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the whole time I was watching, not the whole time, but uh, watching him dominate the, the Tigers uh, last And specifically week. Riley Green. Like specifically, <laughs> that poor Riley Green. Poor I was thinking boy. about the fact that you mentioned in the last podcast, like how high Tristan McKenzie's potential is compared to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, he reached it. Career high twelve strikeouts, no runs, last twenty one innings. That comes after a seven run game um, on June twenty seventh. But since then, he's been great. It's all and from here, yeah, he, he just doesn't. So I was looking at his baseball savant page just to find something interesting about him. I think the most interesting thing is that he looks terrible on baseball savant. Like we all, we all love look at those little balls, Merritt. The ones that go back and forth on the lines. The, the red ones are good, blue ones are bad. He has a lot of blue ones. A lot of blue. I there's mean, a nothing. Surprising number of blue. <laughs> it is very strange. There's nothing above like a high percentile that would point to he's he's been great obviously he wasn't great to start the year uh, he had a couple of really bad innings or bad games in june um but he's bounced back and like overall his numbers are better than you'd think somebody who looks that terrible um he's a 320 era you'd think if you get to that point you'd have some sort of peripherals that point to being good but the one thing i wanted to focus on on him specifically um because even that start on um what day was that the 14th on thursday it wasn't like a particular pitch I don't think was dominating. Um, his curveball looked super good, um, maybe better than it's ever looked, but it still wasn't um, like the best pitch ever, unless you ask Riley Green, who just could not hit that thing to save his life. But <laughs> um, I, I think it's his fastball was the most interesting to me because after the game, Austin Hedges, a known guy with crazy eyeballs, Cleveland.com, they wrote about it. Um, basically, it was Jonathan Scope said that the pitch was invisible um, and Hedges said he's got that thing going. It's deceptive in so many different ways. We can throw it wherever we want. And then I looked at um, MLB Film Room, which is an amazing little thing. I can just You can literally just type Tristan McKenzie, Jonathan Scope, swinging strike, and see all of them. Um, and you could watch. <laughs> like When he says they were invisible, he, he really felt that way. He was swinging at nothing every pitch. They were up in the zone. They were down in the zone. Um, the pitches came in. He was nowhere close. It didn't look like he was focused on the ball. But then I wondered why that was. And I, I think it's something we, we talked about a lot last year because it was new and fun and exciting. But we haven't talked about it much this year, which is... Um, the spin-based movement versus observed movement of uh, spin direction on balls. That was a new thing last year with baseball savant where they laid out like a clock, uh, like you rotate like fastballs, four-seamers. Most of the ones are like noon, one o'clock, somewhere in there. Curveballs usually mirror that. Um, and there's two things that you really want, two ways you can use that to your advantage. Like Shane Bieber, when he was at his best, he mirrored his fastball and curveball. The spins were opposite each other. So when they're coming at you, um, the split second you have, they look basically the same because the seams are spinning the same. They're spinning the opposite, but it's like a tire where it looks like it's spinning backwards kind of thing. Um, McKenzie doesn't do that. His curveball's all over the place. His fastball's all over the place. But the one thing he does do, um, 
It says fastball looks different compared to the spin base and observe movement. That's the other thing you want to do with them is if you can't mirror them, you want them to look different. What that basically means is what it looks like coming out of his hand is different than what it should look like, the way he's spinning it. Um, it's just pure deception on the fastball. It doesn't show up really anywhere else in baseball savant because he doesn't have a high raw spin rate or anything like that. He doesn't get a ton of swing and misses on it. He just gets enough. But um, like you look at his fastball, the, the spin base movement is like noon to one. And then the observed movement is almost all noon, a little bit of one. So it's, it's, he mixes those up. His slider especially does this too. Um, it's a lot different. Um, I don't know. It's just, he's, he's such a weird pitcher. I'm just trying to find anything that would point to the fact that he's been this dominant without having anything that looks dominant. <laughs> I think part of it might be um, his long wingspan, the fact that he's so much closer to the mound when he throws. It, it adds a little bit of velocity, but I don't know. I think he's going to get to the end of the year and still have this weird baseball savant page that doesn't look great, but he's going to have better stats than we expect. He's basically going to be like Josh Tomlin in a way. I think he's going to be – his peripherals will never match what he does, but he's just going to have the right pitches at the right time, and he's going to get by with them. I was thinking more like it was a, more like a Chris Young's kind of a situation, you know, uh, the lanky, seemingly throw th- soft-throwing uh, pitcher. That the, He was on the uh, Royals, Royals, right? You know, in the World Series, yeah. Um, yeah, he got by because of just what you mentioned before, extension. Like he just had a bizarrely long stride and reach, I guess, which made it just, you know, like what Scope was saying about uh, McKenzie's fastball. It just kind of blows up, even though he, like, he didn't throw even throw 90 uh, young. Anymore. No, yeah, it's not raw velocity. It's not at all. It's, it's, it's just, just it's perceived. It's a perceived velocity, effectively. And, uh, I mean, you know, we, we sp- like more and more and more we're able to quantify – so much. I mean, base, like, uh, MLB and, and um, baseball savant has released that new thing about just bat speed. Like we're we're, we're getting it down to that point. Like, we're like we're not even talking about exit velocity. It's the, it's the speed of, and not even the whole bat. Specifically, the sweet spot, which is insane. Yeah, they previewed that one graphic. Looks really cool. It's like yeah. a, a heat zone of where they could hit and where the sweet spot would have been based on their swing. It's ridiculous I, what we're getting. I truly cannot wait for being able to look at home runs that were not on the sweet spot or whatever. I don't know. You're just like searching yeah, for that specific yeah. thing, but like, there's just some things I think because it's all it's not really a thing you can measure, and maybe we'll we'll, we'll be able to one day. But it just seems like. It's so hard to measure perception. It's such a stupid thing. It sounds like a, such a dumb thing to say, but like you can't actually measure how how the the hitter is seeing the ball out of hand. Now, I mean, you know, the predominance of the Tigers is not good at hitting right now. They're not a good team in, in general, and uh, and he did dominate them. His curveball was working especially well. Like some days, you just have a better feel for it, you know. Um, and like it's not, you know, it's not a great pitch. It's. Um, it was just great. That was, was, yeah. five, was his negative five. His four seamer has been a killer the last couple of years. Actually, last year, never mind. It was terrible. But he, he got he got some good vertical movement on that one too. But um, yeah, no, I, I, that's what I've been wondering about, like him specifically, just because he has such a I hate to say bizarre, but a, a unique body type, I suppose. And just like because he has like that kind of over the over the top delivery, so it seems like it's probably coming from out of the sky anyway, and then. Uh, like I said, his stride, like he's just all legs and arms, like his stride. And his, I, I, I was trying to find, uh, there's a 6.8 feet is what his extension is on his fastball this year. I, I don't have anything to gauge it against. Um, but yeah, I, I wonder if it's a, like, except it's a perception thing. And one day maybe we'll be able to do a better measurement. I think that's what, the, what we're trying to do with like things like extension, but like the combination of how he throws it, the fact that his hands are so just huge, like they're not, not so like, like big that they give a great like spin ball isn't spin rate isn't bad on his fastball, sixty six percentile, but like maybe it just comes out of the hand strangely too. Like he just hides it in there, so you can't even then you can't pick up the spin correctly. Combining that with the things we can measure, just resulted in again. He's, it's not he's consistently great. I think um, he he got you know he's able to pitch against a bad team and he, he took advantage of it, which is an issue we I think we run into all the time with Cleveland pitchers is at any given time you know. 40% of the division is dreadful. So you, like, you wonder, is what, what are we actually seeing as the, the actual valuable pitcher? You know what I mean? And then we, then we end up with situations like when Bieber got shelled in the playoffs after, what, winning a Cy Young, I think? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, we, we run into problems like that. So we're like, I don't know anything anymore. <laughs> I think you that curveball he had on Thursday. Would have oh, my God, what a hammer. Yeah. I mean, it just was it, it's the perfect, like, and it was late kind of, movement too, like it, it tunneled well with the fastball. It, it was it snapped, yeah. like it was a kind of. It wasn't like the big looping, silly one, like, like Grenky throws. It was, 
It was like the kind of curveball that like Clayton Kershaw throws all the time, and is the reason he is a Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, and you know, Kershaw's been throwing that since he was probably fifteen. Uh, McKenzie's it's not that good, obviously, but um, you know, I think that combined with the fact that it, like he doesn't throw, he has a slightly below average fastball, but his slider's above average in velocity. And um, I like that he's just a three pitch pitcher right now. I'm glad he's not trying to in, incorporate like a changeup or something like that, like too too radically. I think he threw 25 of them last year and none this year, which is, again, nice to see because he's still, you know, I feel like he's been around forever. I feel like I've been talking about him for 15 years. Uh, but, yeah, he's still only 24, so. Yeah, I mean, his, his rookie year, he threw him 10% of the time. Last year was 1.3%, and this year, like you said, none. So I think he's dropped that pitch, and it's probably for the best for, for these I agree. Yeah, and, and we're, we're kind of down, down the line. Like, I, th- I think he could, he could probably develop a really good one. Uh, he's really good at locating his fastball, um, just – you know, don't work on it right now. And I think he could have a, a very neat changeup that would make him just an absolute weapon for years to come. So, yeah. So what's your, uh, your meaty meatball? Well, I'm going to talk about a pitcher. His name is Truth. No, uh, <laughs> Shane Beaver. Um, he, threw a sh- uh, he didn't throw a shutout, but he threw a complete game last Tuesday against the White Sox, gave up a run. Uh, Cleveland ended up winning. It was pretty cool. We were all very happy about it. A couple fun little facts about that. This doesn't sound fun yet. Actually, it is fun. It's kind of <laughs> okay. fun and stupid. Uh, my favorite kind of stat. Uh, 2022, it was his best pitched game by game score this year. 84. So, as you know, game score is the thing Bill James developed just to kind of roughly measure how quality a start was, right? Um, he did it against the White Sox this year. Did you know that last year, his best game by game score was also... Against the White Sox, isn't that crazy? He threw a shutout uh, with a what, eight ninety one game score, nine innings, three three hits, one walk, eleven strikeouts, absolute killer. Yeah, I think uh, we're sleeping on the fact that he owns the White Sox. We always think it's the Tigers, other than the last one, obviously. But I, the do White Sox he his, dominates them all the time. Do you know what his best pitch game in twenty twenty was pitched against? Probably the White Sox. Wrong, it was the Twins. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was one neat thing. Also. Um, and I looked into this, and I thought I must be wrong, but I don't think I am. He had an 84-game score. That is his fifth best game by game score ever, and better than all but one game he pitched in the year he won the Cy Young in 2020. You mean this is, last game was that high? What's that? You mean this last game was that high? Yeah, 84. Oh, wow. His fifth best game score in his entire career. And which is what really blew my mind it's on the sideboard that it was in 2020 when he was just absolutely unhittable. He did not even record his highest game score, which was a 94, I think, in 2019. Um, so that was pretty neat. Uh, and also, he threw the least fastballs in a start in his entire career that game at 24.2% of, fat, uh, of his total pitches being fastballs. That, was that one's not as surprising. I think he's moving away from being a fastball pitcher. Which Very much. Itself is surprising, but. Do you know when his second least number of fastballs was? Probably the start before that. Yes. Do you know when the what, when the third least number of fastballs was? <laughs> the one was? before that. Wrong. It was on, eight, it. Uh, it was on August 15th, 2020. So, <laughs> against in, the Twins, probably. Um, actually, against, against Detroit. Uh, and actually, um, he doesn't show up here again on the list as far as 2022 start with the least fastballs until his one, two, three, four, five, seventh start. And that was back in the 30th. So his last three starts have all been top 10 i'm not throwing any more fastballs starts um which we all see obviously you know he's moving away because it's not a good fastball anymore 91.2 miles per hour uh this past start 91.3 the one before that one before that was 91.3 so you know he knows it doesn't work so he's gonna stop throwing it but anyway a couple fun little things about shane beaver hates the white Sox. had a great start and uh, doesn't throw fastballs there you go yeah, it's his sliders are just about to take over his fastballs. I think one or two more starts. If this is the trend, it's because like thirty four percent sliders right now, thirty five fastballs. So, but I think it's worth it because the fastballs not good anymore. Speaking of pitchers, I don't want to say speaking of fastballs aren't good anymore. But Aaron Savali exited after one one inning against the White Sox on also bad fastball Wednesday. Um, sore wrist said he had. It was, it was weird because he came off. He, he didn't look like anything was wrong right away. Um, they were, they were trying to like watch the footage of him coming off the list and they noticed this. He didn't really like high five with his pitching hand. So there wasn't really anything there, but um, turns out he had a sore wrist. I thought maybe there, there was a slight minor chance. Maybe he was traded, but it was just, it's an injury. He's on the injured list. Um, obviously with the, 
the all-star break coming up, he's only going to miss one or two starts as long as it's just the minimum time on the, the IL. But um, it's unfortunate because I I'd still want Ansevalli to figure out whatever the hell he's doing. I think the only way he's going to figure it out is keep pitching. Um, and, and I am the, the furthest possible way you could be from a doctor. But I was looking at just the pitches he threw compared to like old starts and his, his wrist, it was doing like, I don't care how athletic you are. If it snaps as hard as his was snapping on the follow through on his pitch, it's going to hurt. Like, because I looked at some of his old starts, he holds his wrist um, like on the follow through of a pitch. But this start, it was just like snapping all the way back almost to his arm. So I don't know if it was like already sore and he couldn't hold it as much or if for some reason he was snapping it and his mechanics were weird and that caused the um, the sore wrist. I don't know if it did that or, or nothing, but either way, one in against the White Sox was unfortunate because the game before that, he had seven innings against the Royals with six strikeouts. He looked good. Um, I thought it would have been good for him to get two starts in a row. I mean, he didn't look great in the first inning against the White Sox, giving up two hits. But um, yeah, they'll be at least without, with, without Aaron Savali. At minimum, probably one or two starts coming out of the break. Um, maybe more if, if the wrist is more than just a sore wrist. I didn't realize how extreme of an out, not outlier, but how wildly, oh, I don't know, even wildly, just his spin rates are way up this year. Like he's in, this is like his fastball and curveball spin are 94th and 95th percentiles respectively, which is the highest of his career. Now obviously it's just percentiles, but even just raw spin rates, uh, curveball is the highest it's been since ever uh, by a few RPMs, by five RPMs. The, the highest spread of that was 2019. And he didn't pitch that much, but even his slider, <laughs> uh, highest of his career, fast, or his cutter is basically the highest of his career within, you know, rounding error effectively um sinker same thing and like a lot of those pitches are you know wrist heavy i guess like to get a cutter to spin you kind of got to snap your wrist a little bit you know same with a, with a slider to, to a degree and a curveball too I and mean, a anything, curveball anything yeah. you're gonna spin real fast it's gonna it might hurt your wrist i don't know if that's yeah so, so I, I mean i wonder if this is because of that you know what i mean like um he's been struggling all year I mean, he just hasn't been very good all year. He's what ERA in the sixes, uh, just kind of getting knocked around a lot. Um, his whip is substantially higher than it's ever been. Um, he's giving up way too many hits. He's not getting any strikeouts. He's walking people at a very high rate. Like he's a, only twelve starts in. He's already fifteen walks. He walked. I guess that's about how many walks normally. But anyway, uh, <laughs> it's not great though. But, it, but, anyway, but it's, the, it's, the curveballs looked good. But that's been about it. Like he, he's located the curveball. Well, there's some starts where it's not like the snapping curveball like Clayton Kershaw has or Tristan McKenzie had one. But they're big rainbow curveballs that still work when they work really well. And like you look where he's locating it, he's throwing the curveball really well. But it's just nothing is working. Um, but even like, his, like last year's cutter was incredible. It was one of the best pitches in all of baseball, and it is his worst pitch this year. Like, uh, by run value, we're talking about a plus three run value on it this year. Uh, it was negative 14 runs last year. It was curveball negative five last year. This year, it's just flat zero. Um, it's get you know, they're, they're getting hit hard. Uh, he's not getting the whiffs. Yeah, anyway, um, he's getting less strikeouts on his cutter. So, I don't know. Um, putting people away less than it ever has. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I'm, I'm wondering if he just has been trying to because this is how you get hurt as a pitcher, right? You get some little tweak and something doesn't work out, so you have to, you kind of compensate also. We were talking about someone else doing this last week, I think. Um, but I wonder if that's just kind of what we're seeing here is he – something was wrong, so he tried to force an issue. And you talk about McKenzie with a whole lot of blue on his uh, percentile thing. Like <laughs> Aaron Savali is – Aaron Savali is everything except spin rates and his walk rate, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah he the is, spin rates are – are incredible but are wild they're just like that's a, I, I didn't i just i had no idea that is like curve same curve as 2019 basically um other than that yeah it's all it's 80s and 70s and 80s so yeah. and he's also dropped like not not completely but mostly that split finger he was a big deal before last year that he was going to start using it um and I, I feel like that worked a little bit and then it, it didn't but he, he's dropped that mostly the split finger change up that he did which was fun learning about how he, he worked that, but now he barely uses it. So I don't know. Yeah, I think he's just I'll, a tinkerer. And I think well, that's being another... injured before and being injured now is just going to slow him down to get back to figuring out what he needs to do to fix it. And I think he probably will, um, but he just needs to have the innings consistently to do it. Well, even the split finger, again, if you, if you ever watch a guy throw a split finger, it's, you, know, you got to kind of jam in your, in, your, in your fingers and snap your wrist really hard to throw it because that's how you get more spin. That's how you get more drop. And that's how you make it work for you. So... Again, I wonder if it all just kind of circles back to 
you don't hear about wrist issues with pitchers very often. Whenever you hear forearm, it usually is a harbinger of Tommy John surgery, really. But it's, I, I, obviously, Chris Sales got hit in the wrist like a day ago. So that probably, you know, hurt. Oh, no, but, he didn't get hit in the wrist. He got hit in the pinky. And oh, did that he really? thing oh, was, was broken. Yeah. Oh, okay. All they showed it on the, the broadcast, it was like bent. It was, Gross. He got nailed in that thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I wonder if this is just Aaron Savali overcompensating for some other injury issue and the same thing that's been holding him back all year. And la- he was hurt last year, too, I believe, right? Yeah. Um, I wonder if this is just, I hope he can bounce back because he's proving more and more to not be a frontline starter, but. If he's your third or fourth pitcher, you're doing pretty well. So, you know, and, and honestly, they need pitching. We're going to get to it in a few minutes, I think. But, you know, I mean, they if, if their pitching can solidify some, they have a great shot at winning the division because, you know, the Twins can hit, but they their pitching is falling off. And the, and the White Sox are eating themselves, I guess. I don't know. I can't tell what's going on with that team. They just beat the hell out of the Whites or the Twins. So, who knows? Yeah, they're, they're up and down. But um, I know you have thoughts about this next one, so I'll let you go first. I'll just kind of lay out what happened with it. Um Juan Soto rejected another offer from the Nationals. 15 years, $440 million, which is insane to think about having that much money thrown at you and then declining it. I, I mean, I get it. He's Juan Soto. He's really yeah, good. It's only $29 million a year. I mean, yeah, <laughs> and he's 23 years old. So yeah. this is obviously going to lock him in for, I mean, the weird thing is 14 years, like 37. He could still get another contract after that. <laughs> it wouldn't be this big, but he can get a couple of years out of that if he's super good for a long time. But um, he's looking at a contract that's going to lock him up pretty much for his whole career. Um, he's a free agent after 2025. And the Nationals, now that he's declined that, they're looking into um, trading. Because so I think the the time of trading a guy, like in the last half year, is done. Like, they're not going to wait until 2025. Um, he's already eligible next year. So this is the last year. You get a half year of him really cheap, and then you'll be paying a bunch of money for him. Um, I don't know, Mary, should the Should the Guardians be... Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> should they be ignoring this altogether and just enjoying their farm system? Thank you. I'm glad we agree. Damn it. Damn it. You got me there. Well, that's the thing about this is like that. What is you know? It's 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 like a similar issue to what's happening in the NBA with the whole Kevin Durant thing. He's an untradeable because there's not enough value. <laughs> like, like, and if you do it, you have emptied your farm system. Like, You're basically just what the Nationals are now. <laughs> You're going to be you, screwed with Juan Soto, and yeah, that's like it. That, yeah, because their farm system's trash. They don't have anything. Like they just they're, they're it's, it's it's like Dave Dombrowski came through or something. But I don't know. Um, Listen, obviously, I've, I've mentioned it several times on the podcast already, but I want it to happen. And now that they have a minority owner, it's a great way to get some goodwill. And even if not, like, you have Juan Soto for two years. That rules. Uh, I, I, obviously, they're not like just a Juan Soto away from a title. Um, but, I mean, I think they're a Juan Soto on a 10-year contract away from a title. <laughs> a so, title down the road, yeah. Uh, you know, why not? Um, and, like, you know, I mean, obviously, yeah, $440 million. It's only $29 million a year, which isn't. That's some uncomfortable. That's the amount of money I, I would need half of that to retire forever. Uh, <laughs> but in but, terms of a baseball team, that's basically nothing. Like it would, exactly. if the Guardians had that every year, what would they? They'd still be on a hundred million right now if they added that. That's the thing, like or barely like, over, maybe. And like the way you build a team in the modern day, like you can, you're supposed to have like three of those. A normal team, not the Guardians, have like three guys making between twenty five and thirty five million dollars, and then everything else is either pre arb guys. Uh, guys, you know, or, or whatever, pre-free agency guys, and then just filler around the around the edges. So, uh, and of course, you have the Dodgers, I suppose. But, like, if you put it in the context of what, what is a normal payroll for a team of, what I mean, at this point, I, I would say $130 million is a normal payroll for a, for a baseball team that's actually trying to compete to win a championship. I mean, feel like that, I feel like that's a low now. Um, I mean, I think that's where you're at. You should be at if you're, like, a – I don't want to say cost cutting, but a cutting I mean, edge no, team who's like still building through prospects. You got a couple right, of like guys. Right, a normal, like a, a non New York or Los yeah. Angeles team, right? Like, um, like a, I mean, White Sox, Cubs, uh, Cardinals, that kind of Rangers. You know what I mean? Like that kind of scope of team, I suppose. Like, um, and like they all spend money when they when it's time to spend money. You know, Orioles, whatever. Um, Nationals. That's a great choice, um, but. I don't know. I mean, I again, I'd love for them to trade for him. I'm I, personally, I'd be very sad if he, he didn't get a better deal from the Nationals because then I can't go and see him every time I want to go to a baseball game, which I would prefer. But I mean, it's just, like, that, that's, what bugs me is like I keep on reading like oh, the Guardians couldn't afford him. I'm like, oh, I thought they had this, like, this dope farm system. What do they have? <laughs> What's there? 
So um, I think it, I think if they could absolutely afford him in prospect capital, like their their farm system is unreal. I, I will think be so right. I don't know what it would be, but like, give them six shortstops. They got enough. Just. <laughs> See, I'm on the opposite end of you. If he makes it to free agency, I will be beating that drum. Pay him the damn money, get him in here, and and have him. But I, I don't know. Like, if if you don't think he's going to sign a 440 million dollar deal, I think it's pretty clear he just wants to be a free agent and try it out in two years and get. That's fair. I mean, be a 25 year old. And then yeah. I, I I wouldn't like emptying the farm system for two years. I don't think just because they have so many players who are. It's going to take so. Much. It's going to take like Daniel Espino, George Valera. All of your top guys just to get him for two years. I don't know. And it, even if he would guarantee to sign on later, I would almost just rather keep what you have. But but what, if he hits a free agency, I will be absolutely hammering the Guardians to just spend the money and get him and win a World Series. But I think with what they have, um, I think they're better off over the next, maybe not the two years because Juan Soto is, is amazing. But if they don't get Juan Soto over the long term and it was only for two years, I think they'd be better off just keeping the prospects they have because they have a lot of good ones coming. I think Valera is going to be an absolute star. I think Daniel Espino is going to be really good. Um, if you trade one of those guys for like a, a Brian Reynolds or somebody else, sure. But I, I wouldn't want to trade everybody for Juan Soto as, as good as and amazing as he is. I know, but like how many times you let down? Like obviously, I know. Yeah, we, prospects we, we, will always let you down, but I think in, the, in, the Guardians' process life, is just so good right now. It's it feels like it'd be bad to interrupt it. I just, I, yeah, we, I, we both agree. Like I, we, we both want him, and it's uh, in, in real life, it's a silly thing for me to be banging the drum about this. But at the same time, like even though he's hitting two fifty, he has a one sixty two OPS plus. That was like, ridiculous. Yeah, he's unreal. It's insane, man. He has walked just in the last two years two hundred and. 24 times to 147 strikeouts like he's he's so cool <laughs> so that little dance he does when there's yeah, the it. best like they, they had a bobblehead of him doing the little dance like it wasn't even his head that wobbled it was his butt it was great <laughs> man i don't no, know like, <laughs> being more realistic yeah you know someone like brian reynolds or something like that per, like the regardless of who we're talking about like brian reynolds would be a major injection of positive positivity in a way to the to to the lineup, um, Juan Soto would be a, a, a like a bolt from Zeus, uh, and to have him for, for for several years, and it's like I'm immediately getting mad at the new minority owner for not pushing this. I hate you. <laughs> You're gonna new call guy. him up and <laughs> I, 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 why is he demanding you trade for Juan Soto and pay him for? Who is this man guys? yelling at me? Why is how did he find my house? You have Juan Soto, you fucking jer- yeah. <laughs> Why is he wearing a '69 Merritt jersey? Who owns the that? Hell? What is that? <laughs> Ryan? No, that can't be right. What's going on here? Yeah, I don't know. He would be good, but I don't think they... They're obviously not going to do it. That's the overwhelming point here. But um, on the subject, the Guardians clearly not needing Juan Soto. Um, They are 46 and 44 at the midway point of the season. Two games back of the Twins. Still a game ahead of the White Sox. I keep forgetting the White Sox are not the team that's on top. The Twins are always just kind of there, and they're not doing anything special, especially lately. They're terrible, but um, the Guardians of Win Differential finally jump back in the positives. They're plus five. Um, but we are at unofficially the midpoint. What is it? They've played 90 games, which is <laughs> way less than everybody else. I guess they probably caught up now because double headers, but it seems like they've played so many fewer games. I think they've, yeah, they've, um, they've, they've two, two fewer games played, I think, than the Twins specifically, which, which, yeah. which is But big, they've got another double header coming up, like right out of the All Star break, and then another one for the game canceled on Sunday. Hell yeah. Um, More double headers. <laughs> But through the first half, they have obviously three all-stars, Jose Ramirez, Andres Jimenez, and Emmanuel Classe. I think one of those, two of those is probably expected, Ramirez and Classe. But um, Jimenez, I think, has easily been the biggest surprise of the first half, unless you count. Well, I don't know. I, I think the biggest surprise has been every rookie coming up and being great immediately. Like, I'm yeah, not used to that in Cleveland. Yeah, it's yeah. been a lot of fun, I mean, actually. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. Some have faded often... pretty quick, like Owen Miller. I think Stephen Kwan bounced back, but he faded it right away. Well, that's the thing. I look at these guys, and I'm like, when's, it, when's the other foot going to drop? What's going on here? Like Oscar Gonzalez is the most nerve wracking player on earth simply because I'm like, how is he doing this? Stop it. Yeah, that that foot's going to drop hard, but it's fun oh. while it doesn't. Yeah. Oh, 100%. It's been very. Although now maybe it won't even have a chance to because if Nolan Jones, if he keeps doing this and like, you know, he's probably better player than Oscar Gonzalez. I don't know if you, which is sad because I like Oscar Gonzalez, but I think you just keep Nolan Jones there in right field. I mean, Gonzalez looks, seems like a real sweetie, but Nolan Jones is taking walks. He has six. So Oscar Gonzalez is none in one third the games. So, <laughs> you know, 
Uh, Jones yeah, Jones has a fantastic. monster home run. Uh, yeah, yeah, he had a, he absolute tape measure shot. Um, you know what's interesting about him? The more I watch him, his bat seems small. Doesn't it seem like he has a use it? I think he's he's just huge, but I think he does have a kind of a smaller bat. It's kind of strange, but I, I think you know, obviously, a lot of delightful surprises. Naylor finally turning into the power hitter we hoped he'd be, and not just like a basically average bat. And it, and all being real too, like you look at all those like peripherals, and you're like, this is sick. <laughs> yeah, Josh like, Naylor, sixty-two games, one hundred thirty-three WRC plus. Like he is sneakily amazing this year he's been excellent i mean he's been as listen i mean we're we're splitting hairs at this point but him and him him and naylor have the exact same um ops or or him and jimenez basically have the exact same ops obviously they they got about it in different ways um but the fact that they have one two three four five six i don't know that's actually well they got five guys with with a with a positive ops plus which is good and then nolan jones as well uh, which is nice uh, they got to do something about Austin Hedges. That's still bad. They got to do something about Fernando Reyes. That's still bad. Uh, Miles Straw kind of stuck with him for a while. But what are you going to do? Yeah, I think I think Miles Straw he plays well enough to even like even if he stays at like seventy seventy five WRC plus, I think he plays well enough center field that you keep him. That worm has to turn though. I mean, I just think he's been unlucky. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he will be that no. bad forever. But I, mean, yeah, I, I think I, I don't think anything more than like a ninety five to a hundred is what we can hope for. Which yeah, is, and if he's yeah, that, that's average. an outstanding center fielder. But like that's the thing, he's still going to be a two and a half win player this year. Like yeah. for for all the for all the kvetching and complaining about it we've had, like he's still <laughs> going to be a valuable player, like someone who helps a team win. So yeah, remember when he climbed that fence too to yell at somebody who was I was do Yankee? what was he on Stephen Kwan? Like yeah, that yeah. seemed to we forgot about that real quick, didn't we? The fact that he, <laughs> if you want a guy who's going to defend your teammate, just know he's going to jump on the fence. I'm sure everybody loves him Elstra after that. So I, I thought it was wild that people were ready to DFA him after a slow stretch. Like he's been fine recently and. There's no way they're going to DFA him or option him or anything. He's, he's around. He's, he can hit poorly on offense for a while and make it up on defense. And he still walked a bunch, too. He doesn't strike out a lot. It's just the hits were not going where they were supposed to. And Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it's, this is, it's, it's, a bad, it's a bad luck thing. Like, I don't think he's hitting the ball. And he's, like, he's, if anything, he's hitting the ball harder than he ever has, almost. He's the second-highest average exit velocity of his career, second-highest hard hit rate. Um, he just has a BABIP that's... 53 points, you know, yeah, 52 points lower than his career average and an isolated slugging that's tw- you know, 20 points lower than we were expecting. So he's digging it out. I mean, obviously it sucks to watch. I don't think he'll be as good as he maybe was last season with Cleveland, but I think he'll still be fine. He's trying to go opposite field a lot more, which is strange. His ground ball rate is really high, so I don't know. Maybe he's just trying to figure things out, but. Yeah, I, I do like having the way they have it set up now with Stephen Kwan of leadoff and Miles Straw in the ninth. Like, if they're comfortable with that, I'd be fine keeping it like that. I think it's Kwan, I think, is going to get on base a lot more than Straw, and Straw's fast. He can be down there. Um, you probably don't want Straw getting more at bats than everybody else if he's bad, but if he's, he's going to be hitting, quote unquote, in front of the top of the lineup. So, no, it's perfect. Um, I, think. Down there. Yeah, I think I think it's a perfectly, perfectly set up thing. And then, you know, obviously, like you mentioned, they're two games out. Um, I think it's going to be a, a three team race all year. Oh, I for mean, sure. Circling around the White Sox, the White that Dylan Cease sure is turning into a problem. Uh, <laughs> it is, yeah, he's ugh. taking the place of Lucas Giolito, who is no longer an issue. Lucas but... Giolito was never this good, though. Is <laughs> it's the thing. true? Like Lucas Giolito was as good as Michael Kopech is this year, and Dylan Cease is he? He was always like throwing gas, but he couldn't find the zone, and now it's just like this is bad. This is this is bad news. This is this guy is a, an absolute just doomsayer i'm that mustache gave him the perfect uh, it like tuned his mechanics just right and now he's he's nailing it every time it's scary johnny cueto what wait a minute what yeah johnny cueto is on the it's on the white Sox. i just found that out just now so there you go (laughs) breaking news johnny cueto on the team he's been on all year i i don't know i just never picked (laughs) up on it am i thinking of someone else i don't think of someone else anyway um um other first half stuff i'm in rosario um probably going to be traded but he's looked really good since the beginning of june Listen, even how good he's been his wrc plus is still 107 so it's not like he's on the whole season he's this amazing unbelievable hitter i think he's i think they're going to trade him and i'm okay with that i mean this is that's the thing like he he's he's so he's so ebbs and flows i mean if you're going to trade him now's the right time because he's hot at least and you could Look at the 109 OPS plus and what you said 106 WRC plus. What's his R bat plus? Let's find out. Wait, hold on. on. Hold on. Can you get it? Uh, yeah, it's 108. Thank you. So there we go. So what's the difference? Um, <laughs> the perfect stat. I love it. I love it to death. Um, but yeah, I think he's definitely something they should move for good reason. Obviously, he's, he's 
your your best shortstop at this point isn't playing shortstop. Um, moving what's his moving Jimenez to shortstop would free up second for any number of middle infielders. <laughs> Although I mean, do you leave Jimenez at second? Like he's played a lot of it. He's been really good at it. I don't. Is there something about him that specifically makes him a better shortstop than like? I don't know, I think Tyler Freeman's really good defensively. I think Brian Rocchio is probably better than he is defensively. I guess like, just this thing about this year, maybe. His, yeah. I mean, in, I guess I'm thinking of it in comparison to Rosario. His range is better. Which Stonehenge uh, Rosario is not going to get it done. There you go. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's better than everything compared to Rosario. Exactly. Spot, so it's I guess it's based on what the, the, the big league team has. And then just for now, too, then they can move Miller to second. Um, continue to give yeah, him rather playing point. time to see if he can work out these kinks and turn into a better hitter. Um, and then, of course, that makes that, that gives more um, time for uh, Naylor to play. To play. Uh, Naylor and, um, what's his name, Reyes to kind of piggyback on first, just kind of keep them both off the field but on the field, in a sense. <laughs> Although, I mean, I mean, another first half-ish thing is that Fernando Reyes, they might talk about trading because he doesn't want to move positions. Like, that frees up Josh Naylor to just be your DH, and you either have Owen Miller stay at first or Nolan Jones, like, Shift him to first. He seems like a natural. Again, I just think he always looks like Jim Tomey so much to me yeah, that I, I imagine him first long base head. so easily. It's the neck. That is a yeah. that is a Jim Tomey ass neck. It's, it's, like he's no, going to grow exactly like Tomey did. It's the back of the neck into the head. It just makes him look like he's got <laughs> that a one specific head. spot. Just yeah. zoom in right on that, and you're going to yeah. see Jim Tomey. Yeah. Well, I, I, there's something. I mean, I'll say this, and this this isn't based in literally anything, but I just feel like Naylor being a first baseman is like key to his existence. Like, you don't see him as a good DH. I mean, I'm sure he'd be fine, but there's something about having a guy on the field and at, and at the plate, just being a total demon, just being a psychopath all the time. <laughs> I, 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 Firing I, everybody I kinda, up from first base, right? Like having that energy on, like on the field, I think is just one of those ineffable things that you just can't really quantify or judge. But it's like, yeah, this rules. Like, like he, being like you said, the energizer bunny, basically for the whole team. Um. And like whatever, you know, it's it's not like it's a defensively demanding position. I'm sure he won't hurt himself uh, again, so that'd be positive. Well, uh, and, I mean, uh, and we've seen I, I maybe well, but I think he hurt. He did hurt his chest the other day, just swinging. So I would like for him to, you know, get in a little bit of better shape. Yeah. That'll come, I think, when his leg is better. Because he basically just dropped right in from being injured to playing. Like I think in the off season, I I we're not going to do bold predictions for next year, but mine is going to be that he's going to be the first best shape of his life. Um, yes. report in 2023. Oh, it's gonna 100%. Be, yes. Because yeah, you know he's going to be going absolutely insane in the offseason to, to so continue whatever he's done. Yeah. He'll be doing, um, what's that? Even if he doesn't, I think he's fine. Like these injuries just seem random. It doesn't seem related to his, his weight necessarily. It's just last year was he collided with Ernie Clement. That one, yeah. But it seems like he's had a couple like weird, like soft, soft tissue injuries this year, which is a, issue of training and like not not bad ones but like whenever he like hurts his back or like strains his chest or whatever that's all yeah but that could also just like, be not having spring training and, and all that just again being right dropped exactly. In exactly freaking Ernie Clement man that's it's all his fault which by the way he has not played in a long time um that was kind of a Nolan Jones thing to mention that it got rained out but the Guardians are going to play a, a lefty on Sunday um and that was the biggest thing I was holding my breath about for Nolan Jones. Like, is, are they going to actually start him against a lefty? Do they do they finally trust him like this? And they were. They weren't putting like Alex Call or, God forbid, Ernie Clement out there in the outfield. Um, it was Nolan Jones who's going to start against a lefty, which I think is it's really good for the team because I think Nolan Jones is one of not one of their best hitters. Everybody's just he's on the road to being a really good hitter, and I think it's good for Nolan Jones to let him hit out there against lefties, which is pretty cool. They're going to do that. Yeah, no, I agree. I, that's uh, I. Again, vital to his own growth, and I think a, a good thing about this, especially if they could trade um, uh, a Rosario, just to kind of give him more space in the field for, is it just none of the other prospects I don't think are beating down the door now. Like a lot of them are probably going to be next year kind of guys. Yeah, and um, the only one kind of is Will Brennan is an outfielder, so he's not going to be. Well, well, and I, I guess it's just in general, I'm just trying to say is that now is the time to give Jones, let him take his lumps and feel out what what the league is like. Let them adjust him so he can adjust, or even let them adjust to him so he has a bad finish to the year, but he can use that as motivation. And just, I'm not going to overly tout the guy, but the new hitting coach, you know, he, I think he definitely has had a positive impact for some of the guys who have been there. You know, I mean, obviously, Miller is not having a barn burner season, but he's miles better than he was a year ago, and he looks way more confident out there. And then who else was the other one? I think it was um, 
Everybody. That's good. Well, like Stephen yeah. Kwan. Owen and Miller. Menendez is way better. Kwan it really has figured things out. Um, I don't know how many just, how many of these can be coincidences before we just I'm <laughs> saying, man, like, like it's there's, there's something here. There's yeah. something here. So. Andres Jimenez has a huge leap for. I think part of that was maybe showing last year, like just in his change of swing. But yeah, um, but like it, it, it was going to take some time to. We, we forget how young he is. Like he is just so dazzlingly young. There's so many young guys on this team. It's ridiculous. We gotta get rid of this old man Austin Hedges. Old man, old man. <laughs> he will find you. I've seen those. I've looked in those eyes. Don't mess with him. I mean, Bo Naylor too. Like he's gonna be coming for that soon. So I wonder if he'll be a catcher. Um, Bo Naylor? Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, you know, I'm Carlos Santana was a catcher. He's bad at it. So you know, Mitch Martinez was a catcher. He was <laughs> Everybody can be a catcher. Yeah, I, I don't think we'll I have a catcher, catcher that bad again. Die, <laughs> but you know, I mean, it's it's easy to stay back there. <laughs> I, I think. If he's still there in AAA, I think at this point they're either they're desperate to make it work or they believe he's good enough to. Yeah, no, I, even I, if he I, can't frame or whatever, and he doesn't have as good of a stop, like maybe he's just good at managing a managing a rotation, which can't really know until he's up here. But yeah, and maybe, and maybe they're expecting the robot ups to happen sooner rather than later, which means that framing is out the window. Yeah, that'd be that's actually kind of. Do they have others that like aren't great framers? I don't think. I think they're all still really good defensive, but like that's a good. If they're planning ahead for that, then, I mean, who cares? As long as you are athletic enough to stop the ball and you manage your pitching staff, you don't need to frame, which is yeah, kind of block, sad. Blocking and, and calling a game at that point is what you need. Like, you know, being able to, like, um, who was it? Oh, yeah, Perez. Roberto Perez is just such a dazzling brick wall back there. Same thing with, like, like Salvador Perez. Same idea. Just um, absolutely just no, nothing get, gets by them. I just, I, seeing that kind of catcher plays is awesome for me. I love it. So I mean, Austin Hedges is too, but good Lord, yeah. is he bad offensively? <laughs> Ooh, there is a line, and I think he is under it. <laughs> yeah, I really feel like we've just been like just like plumbing the depths of the all defense no hit like catchers since twenty fifteen. I think we're just like since that one year that Jan Gomes is really good offensively. Yeah. It's been how low can we go? Oh, way lower. Don't worry, we're getting there. We're we're we're, dig- we're digging a pit. Oh, we're oh. <laughs> get in, loser. We're going down. What's that? No no hits until July, and if anybody gets a hit, he gets thrown out at second or attempts to a double because he's slow as molasses. God, that was the best. Oh, was that that was Roberto, right? That was Perez. Yeah, I was yeah. I, I was in attendance for that hit. It was, it was up in Baltimore, and I was like, God, so my, my wife was like, "What are you laughing about so much?" I was like, "That was his first hit of the year." <laughs> he just got thrown out as he chugged that. around second base. Oh, God, he's so dude. You. Watching that man run, it's like watching. Someone underwater with bricks on their feet. Oh my god! <laughs> and he was good in Pittsburgh before he got hurt this year too. Yeah, which yeah, is, he, he was starting off having a nice yeah, little season. Yeah, he got hurt. Too bad. I love him. Um, so looking ahead, um, it's enough looking back. We've got a whole half a season coming up. Figure at least two things we can we can answer to kind of get a grip on what's coming up for the Guardians. The first one: What are you looking forward to most in the second half? For I just say team organization. I guess anything. Like, what are you looking hmm. forward to for the Guardians? I think. A couple things. I'm excited to watch. Well, I'm excited to watch specifically Josh Naylor continue to grow as a player. Um, he's still a flawed hitter, I think. He still has some issues. I don't think he walks w- w- enough, but I just feel like he's getting better and better as we watch him. Like working counts more, hitting the ball harder, hitting the ball in places in the zone where it doesn't make any sense how he was able to connect on that one. Um, and just seeing the growth, and other guys will be fun too, guys like Jimenez, but I just feel like Naylor more than anything is really the bellwether of this team, just to see how it, how how his offensive approach and how his offensive kind of output kind of grows, because he's he's made a leap, right? Obviously changing the way he hits the ball, uh, you know, way like uh, 44% ground balls now, the lowest of his entire career, fly ball rate way up, um, strikeout rate, you know, higher than it's ever been, but who cares? Walk rate, though, again, um, highest of his career of any real note. Um, 2019, I think he had a cup of coffee there. 94 games, so okay. Um, but watching him in general, and then I think just honestly, man, this race down, down the stretch is going to be very interesting just between them, the Twins, and the White Sox. Three teams, none of which really have the – I mean, maybe the White Sox are supposed to. None <laughs> the really various the levels of disaster, basically. Right, exactly. Like, they're all just incredibly flawed teams. The Twins pitching is – surprising at how bad it is considering they have 50 wins. Um, but, and then, you know, the White Sox are just like, again, I'm, I was just looking at their stats and like, they have some great players. It's wild to me that they're as bad as they're like, Braves have one of his best years of his career. Tim Anderson is typically great. Um, Luis Robert is, I swear to God, he was hitting 215 uh, a couple weeks back. He's hitting 301 now. 
Andrew Vaughn can hit. And then their pitching staff is great. I mentioned deceased before, obviously. What's his name? He's been having a bad year so far. Uh, Jimenez. Uh, I guess because he's still dead. I don't know. Uh, let's not make that joke. It's more. That's, that's, that's so funny. Who am I kidding? Um, <laughs> to clarify, that was when he had. Uh, it wasn't minor, but it was. What was it like? A, he a, tore a pack. He tore his yeah. pack, I think, or maybe they, his hip or something like that. Jersey, yeah, like yeah. memorializing him and opening. Yeah, it was hilarious. It was a little over the top, but it was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It, again, this is still a this, you know the, the latter half of a rebuild for Cleveland. And the fact that they're competing for a division against a team that is supposed to be a World Series contender and then another team that just spent a lot of money on specifically Carlos Correa. Like, it's very interesting that they, that Carlos Correa is making like $33 million a year or something like that. Um, it's, he is the highest paid player maybe in the entire division. Actually, that would be Miguel Cabrera. Um, but again, he's, he's a great player and this team is, Still just has so many weird flaws to it. Uh, Byron Buxton is having a great year. That's that's very good. It's good to see that. But their pitching, again, is toilet time. So I think that's the thing I'm excited for, just to watch um, Naylor's continued growth throughout the rest of the year. Um, I, I Obviously, I hope they don't – I hope they can find time to give him a break every now and then because he – I think more than any other player, I think he seems, seems like he gets run down pretty quickly. Again, I think it's because he's just bouncing back from a year off, uh, just kind of parachuted into any tra- spring training. Maybe this week off will be good for him, so he can be an all star next year. Um, and then just, I think I, th- I think it's gonna be a great little uh, run. To, run. I don't honestly. I think the White Sox might take the division ultimately. There's just so much talent there um, that they, they'll be able to get out of their own way eventually. But um, I think yeah, we were starting to see that. I think at the end of the first yeah. half. I mean, we're gonna run I mean, into them coming out of the break too, so we'll know pretty quickly like if yeah. they've uh, bounced back and can basically get over their manager and overcome who's basically leading um, the team. yeah because they're. <laughs> They were below five. They were eight and twelve in April, and then they went fifteen and twelve, then twelve and fifteen. So they were four games under five hundred coming into July. And then they went eleven and seven to get back to five hundred. So maybe they go seven and eleven the rest of the way, the rest of the month, or something like that. I don't know. Maybe they just can't figure it all out. Again, they nineteen and twenty five at home. My God, they just I don't know. That that'll, that'll be a very interesting one to see how it all plays out. Um, they beat up on Cleveland this year. I'm sorry, they've, they've been beaten up by Cleveland. They're three and six. Okay. Yeah, Cleveland's um, – it's weird because the Tigers beat up on Cleveland and Cleveland up in Chicago. Oh, also, the one last thing I'm excited to do is watch more Minnesota Twins games and to play the Guardians and, and watch the Twins feed because uh, – what's his name? Because <laughs> they absolutely just, melt, yeah. They are just sick of the, of the Cleveland Guardians. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be a fun year, though. It'll be, it'll be a fun uh, run, down, run down at the end here. Yeah. You? So mine, what are your I, thoughts? What are you looking forward to? I have two as well. I'm going to start the wider one and then the more narrow one. Um, the one sort of related to, to – the race down the road is I'm just interested to see which direction the guardians go at the dead. Not even necessarily what trades they make. Um, Cause I mean, they are, like we said, two games above 500. They could be in the middle of a race. They could also be one series away from basically being out of it. And the trade deadline is like two weeks away. So I'm just curious to see like what their deadline means for how the team, how the front office views where the team is. Like if they package some prospects and go get somebody, or if they just do kind of boring bullpen acquisitions, or if oh, they that will happen, <laughs> if they trade, I mean, like Fran Reyes or Ahmed Rosario, does that mean they they think they're still in a rebuild? It's just I'm interested to see what where the front office sees where this team is because you could really they're such a flat record wise team and they're plus five run differentials so not like they're wildly one way or the other. Like you could make any kind of interpretation of this team you want. Like they're either too young to do anything, they're young and hungry. That means they're going to be good. Um, this team is just impossible to read at this point, and that's part of the fun of the season. Is I say fun, but also partially miserable. When they're good, it's fun. When they're bad, it's it's really bad. But <laughs> there's been a lot of fun, weird parts about the season. I think we're going to see um, in the next couple of weeks where the team is really valued as far as what the front office thinks they're going to be doing. Um, and the other one for me is Shane Bieber. Just watching him evolve into whatever the hell he is now, because obviously the fastball doesn't work the way it does. As we talked about, his slider is about to overtake that fastball. I just want to see. I think there's still some dominant innings left in Shane Bieber. He's obviously still super young. Maybe this is the time. I don't know if he would accept an extension now because it's probably a lot less. But <laughs> if you could, I would extend him now because I think he's going to work this slider thing and still be a pretty damn good pitcher. Maybe not a Cy Young winning pitcher uh, anymore. But like right now, even as a 3.24 year old, he's still a, an extremely good pitcher. And I think he's going to make it work with the strike, with the slider the way it is now. His feeling uh, just being a guy gets, is like yeah. is, is hella low too. It's like two seventy seven or something like that. So he's he's been very effective. 
Like yeah, it's, it's fewer strikeouts, but way fewer walks is basically the trade-off for him. And, and way fewer home runs, too. Like, he's not giving up hard contact as much. When he's on, he's also had some really awful games. But I think that's part of just figuring out the way to work his new pitches, which I hope he can. Who would you want them to trade for? Let's say they decided to um, to be buyers at the deadline. I'm sure, I'm sure I'm sure they'll go both ways. You know, like, let's say they do. Brian Reynolds. Oh, well, yeah, but besides him. I'm just kind of clicking through some other teams uh, who are bad, who might want to trade <laughs> someone. And like, what about like Cattell Marte? I think he's like a, an interesting choice. Uh, Did he's he just 20, sign somewhere? Did they trade twenty eight. He signed through twenty twenty seven with the, the Diamondbacks. So, um, you know, it's a long contract, but it's also small. Uh, I wonder, and with a team option too. To, so you'd have him effectively through his twenty age twenty thirty two season, I think something like that. Yeah, I mean, good. obviously a catcher would be one like Sean Murphy. Would I think that as well. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I, just trying to think of where they have space. You know what I mean? That's why I like Marte because he kind of can play several different positions and things like that. Yeah, I think the unfortunate answer is going to be it's a, it's a reliever. <laughs> it's just no, two obviously. or three relievers that we've never heard of. Well, that's the thing. Like you look at their relief pitching though, and it's excellent. Like they obviously outside of Shaw, I I, I think that I'll say Morgan, Stefan, Henches, like they're all good. I think Henches. I think it had a rocky couple of outings recently, which was not a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, Morgan got like straight San, up a De La Santos, Sandlin. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't. Know. I think it'll be sadly a reliever or or an offensive catcher if they go that way. I don't think they'll go for even like Sean Murphy. It'd probably be too much capital to keep him for two years. Or no, he's wow, he's not the free agent until twenty twenty six. Like if they believe in Bo Naylor, I don't think they trade a ton to get him. Oh, and and that's the thing. Like like and like this is a. I'm, I'm sure every baseball team runs into this issue. How do you balance that kind of? You know what I mean? Like just figuring out like we have all these prospects. They're not all going to pan out, but some of them will. Like. At this point, they have like ten guys who are even being told are going to be good in the majors. <laughs> They're not all gonna, yeah. I want two of them to be good. One of the, I mean, two would be amazing. Three would be earth shattering. Yeah, that's one that's... would be great. So, <laughs> I mean, like three is World Series range, right? Like, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, like, who did the th- Cubs? Like, what were their ones prospects? Like, like Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, uh, Avi Baez. Was that like Avi their Baez, three? Castillo? I guess Wellington Castillo. Um, yeah, because then they signed. Uh, they signed most of their outfield because it was Zobrist and oh, Zobrist played second base one also. Um, but even there, you look at like, uh, like the Royals when they won when they when they won their stupid World Series of stupidity. Uh, you know that was, but I mean that was most of the guys they drafted: uh, Perez and Escobar and uh, Mustakas and Hosmer and. But still, it's only like three came out of the the farm system were absolute stars. Like, I guess Eric Hosmer, if you call him a star for that one year, but yeah. So what? Canes, Perez, and Hosmer. And Mustaka. So I guess they had four, and then Eric Hosmer probably well, really isn't being that brilliant. We're word star right now, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, it's the three that come out of your farm system, like among all these guys who are going to be great. But um, yeah, like, yeah, I think like I, three, I, you're probably going to get a World Series out of it. Or I, I guess looking at like the Astros would be a good example as well. And that's the thing Cleveland has not gone to the toilet to come yeah. back and build a World Series team. And obviously the, the Astros were cheating for this entire time. <laughs> that uh, kind of helps them, yeah. Like, yeah, you like you that roster. Uh, Tuve Correa, Bregman, Springer, Reddick? No, Reddick. No, not Reddick. Um, Charles Beltran's on that team? That's right. Uh, <laughs> and then um, pitching Jordan wise, Alvarez came up after the World Series, I think, right? When they won. What's that? Jordan Alvarez came up after the World yeah, Series. So he yeah, came, yeah he, came, he came up in like 2018, 2019, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you look at their pitching, like... Davinsky, Giles, they traded for. Gregerson, I think, was a production of theirs. Uh, Keiko, they, they produced. McCullers, Colin McHugh. So, you know, I mean, you, four or five homegrown pseudo stars and then two or three homegrown pitchers, it seems like it can get you to a World Series. And right now they have uh, Naylor Jimenez, Ramirez. I mean, they've got uh, a bunch, yeah. <laughs> they they need two more. Coming, they yeah. need two more. Like, And then we can start looking at this. And then, they need some, they, they, and then they you'll have Espino really coming up. You'll have... All these pitchers, like it's gonna. We got Naylor. I'm not Naylor. We got Nolan Jones. So maybe he'll be good. Um, I mean, honestly, I think if nothing else, they'd... imagine how much better they'd be if they didn't have just a black hole at catcher. <laughs> <laughs> that that would tilt everything. Yeah. They are really playing National League baseball in, <laughs> in, in a sense that they just don't have any anyone in, in one position. So yeah, no, I think, so, but I, I think it'll be a fun second half. Um, they're way more competitive than I thought they'd be this year, and I think they're only gonna get better because. We saw from uh, Quan. He's, I think he's he's adjusted relatively to the adjustment, and um, so the other guys, I think, will get better and better. Obviously, they need to figure out the pitching staff because 
Shane Bieber, McKenzie, Cal Quantrill are all pretty good, and then Quizek is less so, and Eric Zavali is hurt, and Connor Pilkington is not it. <laughs> He's going to be a great reliever someday. Yeah, we'll see. Um, <laughs> so one last thing before we wrap it up. A bold prediction for the second half um, of the season. A bold prediction. Be bold predicting. Mm, what's, is, that, is, is it a fun one to say that Josh Nell will hit 30 home runs? I don't think he will, so that's, that's very bold. What is he at, like third? What is he at right 13. now? Yeah, 13. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's impossible. He missed a bunch of time. He, he's a big slugging boy. I think he can um, My bold prediction. The Cleveland Guardians will win the division. Oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. I think it's, it counts as bold, and it's exciting because that would be a fun one. A secondary to that, Cal Quantrill will finish the season with an ERA under 340. Oh, shit. Is he the best? Is that the best on the team? Is there a third bold prediction that Cal Quantrill is the, the lowest ERA on the team? It would not be him. No, McKenzie okay. will be level over here. Okay, gotcha. I think we'll have three guys with the ERAs under 340 at the end of the year. So, so basically the winning division because pitching like caught up to the hitting. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And oh, a little, uh, some other stuff too. I don't know. They, um, Who knows? I don't know. They trade Rosario, move him in as the second base. Uh, Miller settles in at, at second and hits another 25 doubles coming to 46 and two more home runs. So it's 46 doubles and eight home runs. <laughs> yeah. What are your, what's your bold prediction? So mine is slightly narrower and less exciting than that, but I think Gavin Williams throws a pitch in the majors this year. Oh, fun. Okay. Uh, I like that. Yeah. He's 22. He'll be 23 next week. He was a very polished college pitcher. He has absolutely dominated high A and double A and the guardians. Um, they purposely don't send their pitchers to AAA all that often, the, the ones they really believe in, because it's it's a band box in Columbus. Um, so he's looked amazing in 67, no, 70 innings between the two levels. I think at some point, like even if it's just relief or if they give him a couple starts at the end of the year, I think we see Gavin Williams come up. Um, this would be his, his first year in the organization, but I think he at least throws in the majors at some point, um, which would be a pretty amazing. I think he's already amazing draft pick last year at 23rd overall. Um, and I think we see him just get fast tracked to the majors and be super good because I think he's going to be really good. He's six six. He's a, a tall guy. Um, has an absolute rocket for a fireball or a fastball. So I'm excited to see him in the way. Fangraphs list his ETA is like twenty twenty five. So maybe I'm way off, but <laughs> I think there's a chance that he could. Um, I think that was before the season. I think he's been a lot better. Um, like he wasn't even on the overall top prospect list, and I would assume he probably is now because he's looked so good. Um, and I think he's going to surprise some people in. And get up and throw at some point this year and then be, uh, as part of my bold prediction, if that happens, I think he'll be a mainstay in the rotation as early as next year. But if he doesn't pitch this year, then obviously he won't be starting next year immediately. But, um, but yeah, I think Gavin Williams is going to... I gonna think that dovetails a little bit with what I was saying because the pitching needs yeah, yeah. a solution. Savali's on the DL, IL, whatever. Pilkington is again... Please stop. Um, <laughs> Zach, please act traded, perhaps? If Savali oh, comes back and then they need room? I forgot he's, he's already 27. Jesus Christ. Um, he's the same age as Shane Bieber. So, I mean, there's we're going to be seeing some names from down on the farm pitching. And I wouldn't be surprised to get – like one of the reasons they keep on drafting guys in like, like non-prep pitchers like is because you can fast track them. You only have to do a couple minor adjustments because, I mean, you know, pitching, coaching, any coaching really in, in the college – college level is really good probably better honestly than, than oh i think pros. so than a lot of are, yeah i mean they get paid more so um yeah i know i i wouldn't be surprised at that at all and like i said i think we're gonna be seeing a lot of names come through the through the rotation just to see if something hits um probably see a little bit of that with a with a lineup too especially if they make a couple moves here but yeah i wouldn't be surprised by that at all bold my ass sorry <laughs> i think that was bold a first year pitcher 22 years old i think that's pretty bold but maybe not I I think the I saw today like somebody pointed out that teams are probably seeing that on top of yes like there's less risk in seeing a 22 year old and drafting him as opposed to an 18 year old you're also basically just offloading the cost of training and all that and making the payer play for it by going to college <laughs> like um, instead of bringing up through your minor league system so I think that's partially probably what the Guardians are doing but and you know what too like I know they talk about how in college like they use they throw so many pitches but like. They pitch once a week. They don't pitch that often. They pitch way less than they do in the, in, in in you know in professional baseball. So Which maybe that's better. Like over four years, if you're pitching less in college, you've like honestly probably have better coaches in college than you do in maybe not in the Guardians, but in some minor league organizations. You the college coaches, like you said, they're paid more. They're 
Um, they're using probably more analytics than most teams. Um, so, and that's probably. I would be willing to bet that uh, the Guardians pitching staff is would be, or you know, pitching training staff, whatever. It would probably be in the low twenties among those in baseball. Um, just there's so many good, just, especially the SEC and all. Yeah, okay. You mean college, right? College, rather. Okay. I'm sorry. I yeah. Like, yeah. yeah um, no, that sounds about fair. Like college yeah, I mean, pitching. Yeah, which is good. Like they just don't. I mean, everywhere from you know Texas to, to Vanderbilt, obviously Tennessee and uh, Alabama. I think is pretty good. Old Miss, I think, is making a huge leap now. Uh, Mississippi State, obviously, Florida. Honestly, the entire SEC can just throw the hell out of the ball. ACC, same way. Like Clemson's really good. Um, Florida State has a, has a bunch of just killers. Apparently, they their their killers ate the. Guardians number one draft pick alive, and then the Guardians drafted oh, one of them <laughs> uh, this past year, so that was cool. Um, but yeah, no, I I'm excited to see how they how they uh, turn this kid into gold. Yeah, uh, on that note, I think we're probably going to wrap it for this week, Merritt. Uh, if you haven't already, it. follow us on Twitter at Cover the Corner. I'm Matt Roy. Merritt is at Merrill Lynch, like Merrill Lynch with Merrill Lunch. lunch. Merrill don't, lunch. don't care if Merrill I got it wrong. <laughs> Merrill Lunch. Like Merrill Lynch with lunch. Nailed um, it. Second time. <laughs> wherever you listen to podcasts, um, find Covering the Corner. Obviously, CoveringTheCorner.com. Uh, Merritt, talk to you next week. I'll be there.